All right, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's take our scripture and read the word tonight. And it's uh, the, probably the last service for the year. And you can't hear pastor till next year. Amen. And so he'll be preaching the word of God and be ready. And I'm glad that he got back safely home. Amen. And we appreciate him and Miss Angie and the boys and what a privilege it is to be able to serve with them. 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you're there, say amen. amen. Let's find our place in verse number 17. Uh, one of the chapters of the Bible, there's a lot of preaching going on in here, but of course, there's a lot of uh, things to say and you try to uh, be brief and, and concise in what we have for tonight. But I want us to look in verse number 17. We see this is the chapter where God was going to use David in a mighty way to slay Goliath. And uh, we're going to focus in on some areas concerning uh, his dad and himself. And the Bible says in verse 17, and Jesse, his dad, said unto David, his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp uh, to thy brethren and carry these ten uh, cheeses unto the captain of their thousands and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. In other words, uh, get an honest assessment and appraisal of their welfare. And verse 19 says, Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So it was an access into the mountain range of Judah. There that valley was. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and uh, shouted for the battle. And for Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in the rain, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and uh, ran into the army and came and uh, saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistine of Gath Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, have he seen this man that has come up? This is talk, they're talking to David here. Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him and the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Now I'm going to tell you right here, you're going to find what David's response was, and it wasn't a response like, oh, yes, that's great. He was embarrassed about what they were saying about the battle. He was embarrassed about not just fighting for God, but fighting for some other false purpose. Now, I want you to notice what we see here. The Bible says, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Man, this is much more important than getting your taxes free. Amen. And the, uh, the king's daughter. What are we fighting for? What are we in the ministry for? What are we serving for? And the Bible says here in uh, the very important part here as we continue on. And the people answered him after this manner saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And of course, here comes big brother. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep? 
in the wilderness. I know thy pride and the naughtiness, uh, uh, listen, the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. How many of y'all know that was all lies? Now notice what happened. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another. Is there not a cause? Isn't there a cause? Is, hey, guys, isn't there not a cause? Now notice what happened. And he spake after the same manner, and people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. Aren't you glad for the they right there? At least these guys had enough initiative to take what David said and bring it over to uh, Saul, because they were stirred by David's spirit of righteousness. These guys didn't ignore. They saw something in David that was needed on that battlefield. Are y'all with me? Look at verse 32. Uh, and the Bible says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of the mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. I love this scene that, amen. And thy servant slew him. And notice he said, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go. I can see Saul. He's like, okay. At least I don't have to do it. Go. And the Lord be with you. How many of y'all believe Saul could care less if the Lord was with him at that point in his life? I'm going to preach a little while tonight on a simple thought. When doing right is just right to do. Young person, did you hear me? When doing right is just right to do. When God's righteousness works through us. Lord, we love you and thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege it is to preach it. Thank you for the time we spent together the last few days and talking about this and learning more about it. I pray, Lord, help me to deliver the message according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now get a little bit of the setting here, understanding and being reminded that Somewhere around 1120 to 10 and 11 B.C., there was a 109 to 110 year period here in this, chap, in this book here where Samuel, of course, anoints Saul as king. And, and of course, what happens? He rebels against God's will. Samuel anoints David to be the future king under duress of fear of Saul. David places uh, the heart, plays the heart, excuse me, for Saul. For symptomatic treatment. In other words, as relief from the mental pain Saul feels from the evil spirit that God allowed to torment him. And probably a few years later, as he was sent back to his home as a shepherd boy, thinking what he's done with him. And I'm going to just say this. I don't think Saul even recognized who David was when he was playing the harp. A guy that's almost insane doesn't care about anybody. And you're going to find that as you get to the latter part of the chapter. He doesn't even notice who David is. 
He wasn't even recognized. That was the same young man that helped him during this state where he needed that uh, what's called symptomatic treatment of having the beautiful music to calm. How many of y'all believe good music like tonight brings us a message and calms our fears? The the songs that we sing tonight get us stirred up for God. How many of y'all believe that good music can reset our mind and our heart? Amen. And so David was expert at it. God used him in that. And so this good music was, uh, was for, uh, of course, we understand uh, the afflicted song and for, because he was in discord. So when you back up latter chapters, you find that David was already being used of God. And he was already a servant of the Lord. I, don't, I want you to notice what you're going to see about him, that he, you're going to come to this, uh, uh, this chapter, and it's going to be a lot of uh, alive drama. I mean, it's going to be living drama right before us. I believe in this book of 1 Samuel, this is the most dramatic chapter in the whole book. I mean, there's a lot of preaching. Preacher can preach series out of this. There's a lot of truth. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of emotion. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, somebody said that uh, when an artist goes to paint, and I learned a little bit of art in school, and you might have taken a little bit. I'm not an artist per se. But at least I learned some things that there's always a contrast, the darkness and the light. And to be able to see the light brighter, there's a darkness behind it to contrast it. Behind the scenes, you see that the wickedness of Saul, the fear of the men, the Philistines, the idolaters, and the ungodliness that is prevailing. You see the doubt and the disturbance from learning from a king that has discord. But God brings on the scene David. David is a light in a dark place. David is a person that's getting ready to do righteousness where unrighteousness is being done. He's getting ready to have some faith where there is no faith. He's getting ready to serve where service has been out the window. It's all about having the king's daughter and free taxes or tax-free income, so to speak. And so we find here that we see David... And God using him in a righteous way. Now, don't you wish that you and I could be right all the time? Uh, and that we could be righteous and serve God faithfully without the flesh and the world and the devil hindering us and yielding to, the, to temptation? Uh, but aren't you glad also that we, uh, as Pastor read the scripture the other day, that God's mercy is, is, is every day. Amen? It's eternal. It, it never ends. And his mercies are new every morning. So we can get things right. We can get back right with God. But I'm reminded... When we got saved, Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and following, in the Romans road, he said, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and uh, in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. How many of y'all believe Jesus is the embodiment of righteousness? You'd be reminded that when we live righteous, people don't, we don't see righteousness. I can't see faith. I don't, I, I don't see grace. And I, understand, I remember Barnabas in chapter 11 of Acts when he came back with a report to the church in Jerusalem. He said, I saw the grace of God. Now, he didn't have a wheelbarrow of it or a bucket of it or a case of it. He saw it in the lives of those, of those converts. And so they're seeing something different when David shows up on the scene. And uh, we find here, even now as a child of God, uh, that uh, uh, has been clothed in his righteousness, there are moments in time uh, that I do not submit to God's righteousness like I should. And maybe you are the same. And we have to repent and get it right with the Lord. 
I'm glad for 1 John 1, 9 that we can confess our sins and get right. But when we are right and walking in God's righteousness, friend, the Holy Spirit gives us boldness just to do right because it's right to do. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, uh, the Bible says, Wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And you can never look lightly on somebody that's walking in righteousness. Leander McNally, the famous Texas Ranger, said it. There is no stopping a man who knows he's right and keeps a coming. And friend, that's the way we need to be. The recently anointed David in our text today was the kind of righteous person doing right. He was a fit servant of God that was already right and faithful, ready to do a job for God, ready to do a work with God. But he did not come to slay a giant. He did not come to win a victory. He did not come to show out. He came because he obeyed his dad. He came because his dad, his authority said to come. And he looked past his father to the heavenly father who gave him his authority on earth. And he said to dad, yes, sir, what do you want me to do? So he didn't came with some false ideas. He not heard about free, the, the, the income without the taxes. He never heard anything about. Uh, uh, his uh, Saul's daughter that is going to be given uh, to wife. He wasn't concerned about. You know what he was concerned about? Getting up every day when he put his foot on the ground to do right that day. People often ask my dad, Brother Ron, how in the world have you done right in serving God all these years? He said, I just get up every day, decide today I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. One day at a time, one moment at a time. And I said, friend, I'm telling you, we find this great truth permeates this chapter. I want you to go with me to verse number 20. We find something about David when he, uh, it, when Jesse said unto his son, there in verse 17. Watch this. When dad spoke, David listened. Young person, look at brother Steve. When dad and mom speak, you ought to listen. And you're not near as cool as you think you are when you're disobedient. And that goof off that you hang out with that's not very uh, 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 smart, uh, you're going to, that the, the non-smartness is going to rub off on you. And I just made that up. Amen. Hey, friend, I'm going to tell you, you need to understand that you need to do right now. Obey your parents now. Love God now. And the kids, you young people are not the church of the future. You're this, you're part of this present church. Amen. And you're very important. You're very blessed. And we need you around here. We want you serving God. Uh, I was talking to a man just the other day in El Reno, uh, one of the men that coached my boy in baseball. And he goes to another church. He said, Steve, he said, I'm telling you, he said, our church looked out. There's just probably seven, eight kids. And we're all the young people. Well, I was thinking, thank God for Southwest Baptist Church. Amen. That the preaching of the word is here. We got uh, Brother Bailey and others and all the teachers and the young people are here serving God. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. I thank God for that. Amen. And so. We find here that some great truths concerning David. Look what happened in verse 20. And David rose early in the morning. <clears throat> How many of y'all believe the sun doesn't just turn on automatically when you wake up? That actually it rises. You kids know that? Do you know cows give milk? Okay. Do you know what a pencil is? We're going to ask all kinds of questions today, can't we? And David rose up early in the morning. 
and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. Man, I tell you, that's exciting. Shouting for the battle. Whoa, yes. Excited. Some of y'all do that when OU plays. Yeah, go sooner, boomer, sooners. Especially when they beat Texas. But you don't have much to say when they play my LSU Tigers. Somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. I got the crowd now, preacher. Amen. <laughs> Notice what happens. David uh, prepared to serve faithfully. He prepared to serve faithfully. And that's one of the key points of, of serving God and doing right. It's just doing right. It's the right thing to do. Uh, prepare and serve faith. He was a servant of God. He was willing to serve under his dad. He was willing to serve under King Saul no matter how wicked he was. Matter of fact, if you, go, if you back up and you find out that when uh, he was being looked at and thought of concerning his uh, singing and his ability, uh, one of the servants of Saul, when, he had that, uh, uh, when, when Saul had that evil spirit harassing him and tormenting him, he said, find me a, somebody to play the harp. And there was a servant that had observed David already and knew him. And he said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse. There in verse 18 of chapter 16. I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. And so his, I mean, his, he, he was right in his music. He was right in his masculinity. He was right in his mindset. He was right in his matters, in his manners, and he was right before the master. This man was right with God. David was ready to serve God, and somebody saw that in him. So he went back, and, and, he, went, and, and he began to take care of the sheep. And if you were here Sunday, Brother David showed us a lot about shepherds, didn't he? How despised they are. Isn't it something? That the Hebrew nation over the years forgot that their greatest king was a shepherd. And I'm glad that the Bible says the Lord is our shepherd. Amen. And we are his sheep. David was responsible. We find, go back to verse 20 of 1 Samuel 17. He was responsible and understood accountability. He just simply got up, began to take care of what the Lord wanted him to do under his dad's leadership. And he, he was a man, the Bible says in Acts chapter 13, when Paul preached there in verse 22 and verse 26, when he was preaching uh, there in the synagogue in Antioch of Pisidia, and he talked about that David was, was a man after God's own heart. Uh, he had that submitted heart to God, and, and he had a shepherding heart, and uh, he had a serving heart. Friend, I'm going to tell you, that told a lot about him. The Bible says there in Acts chapter 13 that uh, he served his generation in the will of God. He was a servant. Before he became a king, he was a servant. Before he went to, uh, to follow after his father's uh, uh, words, even that day, he was already serving. Amen. That's the kind of people God calls to do a work. David was obedient to his father and his authority. He simply did what his authority said to do. Wouldn't it be good if, uh, if uh, when we are serving... When we are living, when we are working at the job, when we're taking our responsibilities at school, uh, when we're listening to mom and dad and actually looking at them and listening, that we just need to do it the first time we're told. 
That makes a good servant, a good faithful. And by the way, when you and I serve God, he says, here, I've got something even better. You're not only my servant, you're my child, and I'm going to even call you my friend. And David, we find, was stirred in heart by God to do right. He shouted for the battle. I mean, that means when he got up and saw, he was just so excited to go see his brothers. Listen, he was excited about Israel because all in his mind, he knows Israel was winning. He knew in his mind uh, that uh, there's no way that anybody can beat God's army. Uh, he went they ain't thinking, yes, I'm going to go. My brothers are, are, are warriors. I'm with, and I look up to them. And he, when he showed up, he goes, "Woo! what's going on, fellas? And everything went <laughs> just as dead as can be. He looked out and see the Philistines on one side and, he, and the Israelites on the other side. And after a bit, he sees this ugly old giant coming up in the middle. And friend, he said, what is going on? Boy, that deflates you. Have you ever been deflated? Have you ever gone to a church? I've done that before. You go and you're excited about the services. You're excited about getting to preach or you're excited about going to see the, the people, of the family of God. And when you walk in, it's like walking into a funeral home. Man, they got, they got icebergs in the choir. They got a penguin in the pulpit. I mean, they got icicles hanging from the chandeliers. You're wondering, where's God at? And you look at somebody, you start singing with a good voice for the Lord and shouting the victory. And they look at you like you, like you just uh, crawled out from under a, a, a bed or something. I mean, what in the world's going on? God's people not excited about God anymore. I love the theme the pastor has for this year. From, right from the scripture, we uh, stand in awe at God. You can't stand in awe at God unless you're worshiping him. You cannot stand in awe at God unless you're saved and born again in the family of God and you're praising him and you're thanking him. Amen. And we often wonder, where's, where's, the, th- where's the excitement about the things of God? Where's the, there, there's a lot of emotion in this. There's a lot of excitement. Uh, there's a, a thrill to serve God. There's, there's a, uh, David was wanting to go and do the, the work that he was called to do to help his brothers, encourage the, uh, the commanders that he was going to pass out the hamburger and, and, and stuff too, amen. So you're looking at me, you didn't read hamburger in there. Well, anyway, just think about it. It had to be a cheeseburger. It was cheese, right? But anyway, it was, he brought these things to these men to encourage them. It was like, there's a bunch of deadbeats. The last thing you want is a bunch of deadbeat military guys. Not willing to fight the battle. I remember when one of our presidents gave over Fallujah back to the Taliban. My nephew got mad because he was one of the Marines that went in there in freedom. And he pulled body bags out of there. And he did, they didn't respect what the Marines did. They went in to fight a battle. They were, he deployed five times in three combat zones and he went in and he went to fight. He went in to defend democracy. He went in to serve. And all that was just kicked to the curb. Disrespecting our military and thank God for our military. It's hard to do a work when somebody undercuts your work. And here he is. He's ready and he's serving. He's wanting to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. What a man of God. He was motivated by truth. He had a heart for God. And notice he was righteous. And he was serving God with a faithful spirit. Now, friend, this is what it takes for us to walk in righteousness. 
It, it, it is just simply a Webster's 1828 dictionary says, uh, what is righteousness? Of course, it's going to be an adjective. It's going to be a noun. But in the adjective form, it's just uh, uh, just accord, uh, according to the divine law. Applied to persons, it donates one who is holy and hard and observant of the divine commands in practice as a righteous man or a righteous woman. I, I've got some quotes here from some men of God over the years concerning righteousness. Charles Spurgeon says, I desire to press forward for direction to my master in all things. But as to trusting to my own obedience and righteousness, I should be worse than a fool and ten times worse than a madman. Brother Charles Studd, the great missionary who went to China, India and Africa. He was one of the uh, he was one of the uh, Cambridge seven who followed Hudson Taylor to China. He said, Noah walked with God. He didn't only preach righteousness. He acted it. He went through water and didn't melt. He breasted the curtain of popular opinion of his day, scorning alike the hatred and ridicule of the scoffers who mocked at the thought of there being but one way of salvation. Charles Studd was, he would be what we would know today. He was probably the Michael Jordan or the LeBron James or the Babe Ruth of his era. He was the greatest cricket player in England. And he came from a wealthy family and he had a lot of money. He gave it all up to do right when God called him to the mission field. It's right to do the right thing. George Whitfield said the righteousness of Jesus Christ is one of the great mysteries which the angels desire to look into. Seems to be one of the first lessons that God taught men after the fall. And we can go on and on. Uh, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, if the stars fall, do right. Just do right. How many times that uh, I didn't do the right thing and God had to correct me. And God's a gracious God to help us get it right, amen? And to serve better. But just doing right. Is the joy of serving in God's work. Notice verse 21 through 24. We see when David heard the, and learned of Goliath. Now Goliath, uh, one uh, commentator said that he was a descendant of a race of giants. The Anakim who uh, had been wiped out by Joshua during the conquest of the land. In Joshua chapter 11 verse 22 uh, states that the only Anakim left were in Gaza, Ashdod, and Gath. And so here he is. He's nine foot nine. He's like three inches shy of a basketball goal. How many of y'all believe he could dunk it? Amen. I mean, he's a pretty big dude. I want him on my team. But when it came time for standing for God, I want him far away from me. Because he was wicked and vile and cursing God. And notice, friend, David heard and learned of Goliath. When David came to the scene of the battle, he was already excited about being there. Uh, this was uh, King Saul and the army of Israel getting ready to win a great victory. His brothers would go down in military history as part of the campaign. On top of it, it would be an eyewitness to, uh, he would be to see the great battle. But that was not the way that this event was going. Because when the unexpected happens, we must face the unexpected. And here it was. It was always affirming of God's great peace when we face the unexpected with the Lord. David was no different. He was ready to do whatever God called him to do. His heart was righteous by faith. His motives were righteous by faith and truth. His work was righteous by simple obedience. A righteous person must hear and learn the situation. So he listened. He stepped up there. He was not a face. He listened. When you're righteous, the Bible says we're, we, have, we have the boldness of a lion. I mean, we, we ought to just stop and listen. 
The issues are hard. The, the situation is difficult. The words are, 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 are false. It what's being said uh, about uh, this, this man who thinks he can beat, beat uh, the armies of Israel. And David's taking it in. He's thinking, you guys are not thinking about truth. You're not thinking about believing God. You're not wanting to step out and obey uh, God and obey the great divine Lord and defy this wicked crowd over here. And so we be, he began to get stirred. A righteous person is concerned about standing for truth, not what is in it for me. This attitude they had about gain instead of godliness stirred David to do right because it was right to do. A righteous person may face berating from those whose life is rebuked by their walk with God. Slackers are fearful and irresponsible. Note that the anger of Eliab, David's elder brother, when his faith talk took over. How many of y'all believe there were 12 spies that were sent out in Canaan and 10 came back with doubt talk and two came back with faith talk? You remember them? Josh, uh, listen, when uh, Joshua and Caleb said, after you he hear that crowd whine about what was going on, they said, no, let's go right now. We can take them. We can eat them like bread. I think that's where we get that phrase. We're going to eat their lunch. <laughs> Amen. Our coach and ball would say, boys, remember at the end of the goal line, there's a bowl of gumbo. You get a bunch of Cajun boys playing ball. We, we, we like that gumbo part. <laughs> Amen. And we, we might say something. They stole something from your mama. What? We're going after him. Amen. We've got to get motivated. It didn't take much to motivate David. He was willing to do the right thing because it was the right thing to do. And you'll notice when he started, you got to hearing this. And wouldn't it be great that he was already looking up to his big brothers. And when he comes on and he sees that they're in their tents and they're scared and they're not doing their job, not being the men they need to be to deflect all their fears and their wickedness and their unrighteousness, unwillingness to fight, they begin to now blame him. Do you notice that? You ever notice when you're trying to do right and you're around somebody that's not right with God, they want to deflect everything and make you look bad? Like you're just a goody two-shoes. You just think you're better than everybody else. You know, as a referee, I could say right there, I'm thinking this guy's wicked, that guy's right. And he says, you think you're better than everybody else? I stop and say, wait a minute, he is. Next. Say something else. Not much else to say. Notice what he lied. Notice what he did as he began to chew on his little brother, the great man of God that had already been anointed. By the way, he was anointed and he wasn't acting big headed. He he wasn't acting selfish. He was still humble and willing to do what's right. And look at verse 28. His eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men. Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? How about this? Dad sent me. There's a good answer. I'm obeying my authority. How about this? I'm doing what God called me to do. How about this? I love my Lord and I want to obey him. That's all you need. You don't need everybody. Listen, you got to divorce yourself from public opinion. You don't need all the the applause from everybody else. When God gives you a, a word, when God tells you to step out and do, just do what he says. And that's what he did. It was, listen, why camest thou hither? And then, with whom hast thou left? Now stop there. He's talking about his friends now. He left them with, his, who'd you leave those sheep with? With whom didst thou leave? Wait, you're talking about my friends now? Don't throw, them in, don't throw them into this, brother. 
I'm here because dad told me to be here. Now you're criticizing my friends because you're afraid to go fight. Wow. Got some drama happening over here. Amen. Look what happens. And the Bible says, and with whom hast thou left? And he says, those few sheep in the wilderness. What, right now you're talking about my insignificant congregation over here? My responsibility to take care of the sheep. I was doing what dad called. Listen, I was out there serving God. I was out there playing my heart. I was fighting against the, the lion and the bear. I was doing what God called me to do and obeying my daddy. Amen. Well, you're not, you, don't, you haven't done as much as so-and-so over here. Hey, listen. We got to quit comparing ourselves with anybody else. That congregation of sheep was just as important that he had as anybody else's sheep. That was his job. That was his responsibility. Notice, and he said, I know thy pride. Stop it right there. No, you don't, Eliab. There's one of the most humble men that walked on the face of the earth at that time. He was yielded to God, anointed of the Lord, trusting in God. Obeying his dad. And you're telling me he's full of pride? I think you need to look in the mirror. You see the, see the difference, different attitudes we have when we're not righteous? We begin to deflect. Because we're full of pride, Eliab was, he's blaming his brother. Because he was embarrassed that his little brother showed up and showed him up. And all his brother did was shout for the victory. Shout for the battle. Obey dad. Was excited about God. You're just a fanatic. Well, how about you getting some of this fanatic stuff? Amen. And getting fired up for the Lord. And so we can go on. And for thou art come down. He said, and he said, in the naughtiness of thine heart. Wait a minute. You can't see his heart. And for thou art come down that thou mightest uh, see the battle. That was false. He came to obey his dad and give out those gifts. But in the meantime, yes, he was going to see what was going on. But his main purpose was just do what dad said to do. Now, let's look at the latter part of this. As he's being righteous and serving God. Look at when they stirred up and they were talking about the the, the tax-free opportunity and and, and Saul's daughter. Look at the three areas we see in verse 32 and 33 and on. First of all, we see David faced the cause with determined will. He said in verse 32, as they brought David to him, to, to Saul, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, thy servant, notice the word servant, will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine uh, for, to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. Now, he was probably 19 years old. He wasn't 12. I think he had to be at least 20 to get in the army, according to the book of Numbers, I believe. But he was he was a 12 year old, 13 year old. His, listen, he must have had some size in him because he was going to offer him his, his armor. And David and Saul was already a big man. So David wasn't some little squirt. He was a good sized young man. He was he was he, he, he'd been working and, and, and laboring and, and being a blessing in his home. And, and he was he was a, but he was still considered a youth. But here's one thing about it. He said he was a servant. He said, thy servant will. What do you see there? He will calm the fears of others with faith talk. That's what he was doing. He will go uh, taking steps to get down and fight Goliath for the cause. He fights under God's authority and, and guidance. He won in his mind before he beat Goliath in the field. He had maturity of mind that was beyond his youth. I can't help but remember the, the three-point uh, contest Larry Bird had years ago when I, I was watching him. And, and uh, he'd go by, he walked by this guy, uh, he's getting ready to shoot the three points in the All-Star. And he said, which one of you boys is going to be second? And he went out and won. You know what happened? He won already right here. 
Because when we're walking with God, we win the victory. He didn't come out and win the victory. God's going to let him be part of the victory. He wasn't going to win a battle because the battle is the Lord's. Now remember when, when Moses was told to, uh, to touch the rod into the Red Sea. How many of you believe the rod is not what separated the water? It was God separating the water. That rod was just a tool. When we're walking with God, we're our tools in God's hand. And God can do some great works when we believe God. Notice we find that he was, uh, said, thy servant will. Notice he said, thy servant kept. Verse three, uh, 34 through 35 talks about, we find that David learned from his past experience. He kept the sheep and took care of them. And he defended the weak sheep from the fierce lion and the bear. He cared not of his own welfare to recover the lambs. And uh, he had a shepherd's heart, not one of a hireling. So he said there, thy servant will, thy servant kept. Look at verse 36 through 37. We see thy servant slew. David's actions showed his dedication to the cause. Hey, David likened Goliath as uh, them uh, who defy the armies of the living God. And I don't care how big you are, big boy. God's bigger than you. Amen. That's the attitude he had to have. And sometimes when I get down in the dumps, my wife, a good wife that I have, she'll remind me, said, remember, God's always going to provide. He's, he's God and he's, he's God yesterday. He was God today. I said, woman, why are you always right? Amen. But she is. Yeah, that would have blessed him. But some of y'all believe we can get out of focus when we need somebody to remind us. And this is what was happening. He was just obeying God. David was delivered by God from the lion, the bear, and he would deliver David from Goliath. Because courage is the performance of faith in a difficult situation uh, while fully depending on God. David made a believer out of King Saul who said, go and the Lord be with thee. But I like what happened as we see David. As David stood boldly and fought faithfully and served humbly, it was, he was able to claim the victory by the power of the Lord. And he said it, 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 that the Lord did it. He is the one. The battle is the Lord's. I'm nothing, but God is everything. His righteous cause to declare God as king of all was seen and displayed in his righteous life as he declared the one true God. David submitted to God, resisted the devil and fled. And the Bible says he will flee from us, according to the book of James. I mean, he giveth more grace. Wherefore, the Bible says in James 4, 6 and 7, uh, that he, God resisted the proud and giveth grace. And God said, I'll, I'll do war with you if you're, if you're prideful. But if you're humble, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pour out blessings. And submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And that's what he did. He practiced that. So David's last response was tied back to his first responsibility. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 58. When he won the victory and he slew Goliath, the Bible says, And Saul said to him, watch this, Whose son art thou, young man? You know what he was saying? I like your dad. I'm a wicked king, but I like your dad. When you see somebody doing right, you always look past them and you can see there's an authority behind them that showed them and taught them. I've never met pastor's dad, but pastor, because I know you, I love your dad. Because you know why? That dad gave us a wonderful pastor. Are you listening? So when I see Brother Gaddis, I can say, I see your dad. Because what I hear is your dad got saved, gave his heart to the Lord. But his dad was no perfect than any of us, but because his dad and his mom. By the way, you might, somebody can say, uh, I, I, had, I didn't have a dad. Well, it might be your, your stepdad. 
It might be your stepmom. It might be that school teacher. It might be that Sunday school teacher. It might be a big brother that helped you. Somebody brought some authority in your life. And you know what? When we look at you, we can see that you learned authority somewhere. And so Saul says, whose son are you? You know, that should be asked about us. Whose son are you? And instead of me just saying, my dad, I'm the son of Ronald Lee Osteen Sr. I should be able to say, I'm the son of the heavenly father. Amen. Amen. I'm one of God's children. And I don't just want them to see my dad. I want to see my heavenly father. You know how they're going to see my heavenly father? By walking in righteousness and serving God. My friend, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of confusion out there of who God is, what Christianity is. You know what they're just going to need? You know what they need today? As I go out and witness and pass out tracts, I put in our letter, preacher, about the young man I was going to preach for Brother Clawson back in, uh, earlier in the, in the year. And I stopped to get a sandwich. And as my custom was, I pass out tracts. I talk to somebody. They might, I don't have much time with them, but sometimes I see them reading them while they're in line. It's awesome. Just give it. If they don't want it, just say, amen. Give it to somebody else. If they say they're saved, I say, here, why don't you take it and give it to one of your lost friends? I check their salvation out. And they'll go, oh, okay, I will. But this one young man, I looked over at him and said, hey, son, how you doing? He said, yeah, I'm, we're both waiting for our sandwich. And he, I said, are you saved? Have you ever been saved? Are you a Christian? He said, I'm a Christian, but I identify as a Jedi. <laughs> True story. I was headed to preach on a Wednesday night for Brother Clausen over there in Sperry. I said, you do know a Jedi is a character in a Star Wars movie, right? He said, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I identify as a Jedi. I said, how old are you? He said, 25. Let me ask you a question. Is there confusion out there? Do people make up their home, homemade religion? Do they need a righteous person with a gospel track and a word from the Lord and life that counts? Amen. So how about us do that? How about me do better first right here? How about me and Connie do better? How about us as a church doing better? We got it. We're in this year. We're coming to a new year. We got a new opportunity. Look at it that way. Yeah, but it's just another day. Hey, a new opportunity. Young person, you might be the only light somebody sees at school. You need to do right just because it's right to do. It might be hard sometimes. And people might mock you, might turn and twist you and, and say that uh, you think you're better than everybody else. Just humbly serve God. Do the right thing and let God work in your life. With every head bowed and right closed as we stand. Maybe you're not saved tonight. The first right thing you need to do is just call on Jesus. Give your heart to the Lord tonight. If you do not understand salvation and you've not been witnessed to or you do not know the gospel plan of salvation, there's men and women of God all along up here that can help you if you'll walk the aisle. And come to them and say, I want to be saved. I want to know about being saved. I want to come to know Christ. And I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to have my name in the book of life. And they'll share with you that gospel message that Christ died and was buried and rose again for you. And you can have righteousness from Christ. You don't have to work your way to heaven. You can give give yourself to him and he'll save you by his grace through faith. What about every believer tonight? How many here with an uplifted answer, Brother Steve? The Lord spoke to my heart and dealt with me tonight in the message. Would you raise your hand? Just be honest enough. Amen. See some hands tonight. Whatever it is that God's talking to you about, why don't you give it over to the Lord? I'm going to have a word of prayer and give it over to the pastor. And I want you to 
Let God speak to your heart tonight. You know what? You might be the only light somebody sees. And I want to encourage you. And I want us to be encouraged in the word that we can, no matter the situation, step up and be bold and righteous for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege it is to preach it. Help us to obey it. We ask you, Lord, to deal with every heart according to your will. And every response will be that which is pleasing to you. That the lost friends in here, they're not saved. I pray they'll receive you, Lord. They realize that they cannot save themselves. That you died and was buried and rose again to give eternal life. You can save them if they'll call on you. Deal with them, we ask, Lord. And also, every one of us believers, stir in our hearts to just get up every day and be faithful and do the work that you called us to do and be what we ought to be for you in obedience. In your name, Jesus. Amen.